Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Team, we are live with Yusuf Ahmed, founder of Seven U. Yusuf, for the audience, would you briefly introduce yourself, the sales agency, and tell us a little bit about how you broke into sales outsourcing? Will do. Thanks, Eddie, for, for having me on. Um, like you said, founder of Zevenu, we've been running since it's been just over two and a half years now. Um, at the very end of 2020, uh, Zevenu kicked off uh, and it actually started on, I want to say it's it's kind of an accident. Uh, we I was uh, working on building software at the time um, and in a group with a lot of other software founders. Um, and realized a lot of them were, were running into the same challenges where they were looking at um, building their sales pipeline, sales interest, um, and then they all were going through the same struggles. Uh, for my background, um, my last job, I used to be an SDR. Before that, I was uh, the, the founder at a or co-founder at a hardware startup um, okay. and ended up becoming, uh, by default, we were four engineering students at the time. I by default became the the sales guy on the team, um, and so that's that's kind of been my history coming into this. Um, always looking at, at whether it's an, at a larger software company or a very very early stage one, um, looking at sales development, bringing in sales pipeline, um, bringing in discovery meetings so you can get the the potential you need to close your deals. Um, and so this started as as a side project initially. Um, while I was still wow. working on building software at the time. Uh, and it turned out that it was a much better business than the software I was working on. And so uh, that got scrapped. And uh, this has been the story ever since, full steam ahead on, on Zevideo. Um, and then that's brought us to, to, to where we are today. That's crazy. So you could almost say that your company, Zevideo, is a pandemic baby. Yes, 100%. <laughs> a lot of people started building, creating their apps, creating infrastructure. But as you said it, some of the technical profiles that are great at creating software from scratch applications may not have the expertise in selling those same products that they're creating. And that's where you come in, correct? Uh, yes. Um, there, there is, a, if we look at the kind of company that we work with, um, we've worked closely with, with founders as well a lot of the times um, who are doing a lot of, of this stuff on their own um, or maybe they've brought in a, a head of sales or a head of growth or whoever that first person is going to be to take on this responsibility um, mm -hmm. within the, the software company. And they've been focused for years to date on building great software um, and delivering for their customers. Uh, a lot of times that early customer base comes from their network but then there's a second phase of growth where you know that's been extinguished the the, the re referrals from investors from friends from personal connections dry up and then now they're looking at a second phase where okay there's this entire market i need to go after i don't know what the first thing i need to be doing here is um, some will look at solving it on their own some will look at uh, bringing in full-time sales development talent uh, which is a role I've had before, and I know how hard that can be at an early stage environment um, or, or software companies. Um, right. And then there's the third option, which which uh, I didn't even know was a thing. Right? It, it, it's completely stumbled into it, um, but but it's, it's worked out very nicely for these kind of companies that need that kind of in-between solution to figure out um, their, their sales development strategy. So this almost ties into my next question. You mentioned already uh, some of the customers that you have in where they are in their journey 
of growing revenue, if they're still in that organic phase where through word of mouth and, and the people that I know, they're liking what I'm doing. But if your product doesn't have a maybe a viral element that can uh, make it explode from a marketing standpoint, then you definitely need to put some effort in getting the word out and getting to speak with more lookalikes as your previous customers, which I guess that's where you come in. But you mentioned some people may have something going on there. So as I said before, that ties into my next question, which is what are your agency's best fit customers? Tell me a little bit about the ideal user or the ideal type of company that gets the most value when they work with 7U. So all our customers today have been a couple of things. Um, B2B, of course, software, SaaS, um, between, honestly, between two to 50 employees. It's a big range, but we've worked with, with, with uh, everything in between so far. Um, there's one exception where there was a much larger company, but they were more, uh, you know, a B2C company shifting to B2B. So it was a, it was a very different mm -hmm. process for them. Um, but you, what you asked, those companies, oh, sorry to cut you. I wanted yeah. to know what did those companies typically sell? So our, our best results have come from um, companies. We have three sectors I think that we've done well with so far. One is um, so within SaaS, um, selling to tools to, to e-commerce companies is a big one. Okay. Um, second, we found a lot of success in the machine learning space. Um, very different. It's it's a very technical approach. It's very there's a very high bar for the quality of outreach that needs to be done there um, as well. And the third criteria I, I mentioned, I used to be an SDR myself. Um, I worked in the HR space, and so when I've spoken to teams who are selling within HR, there's lots of expertise coming in there for um, that type of engagement and the approach when it comes to. Uh, whether it's it's the recruiting team or just HR at large in general, um, we've had really, really good results with, with those kinds of startups as well. Great. So you already mentioned a couple different, let's say, fronts or types of buyers. Uh, yeah. Machine learning can be very different from promoting uh, HR services, HR products. So how about we talk a little bit about a success story? Tell me about one of your service offerings, one of your core service offerings, um, and if you can name a little bit about why were you hired for that? How do you deliver that service and kind of some success stories or impact that buyers can expect? What numbers were they, do they get before hiring Sevenue and what numbers could they reach after working with you? So, so I, the first example I mentioned was, um, working with, with, um, startups or software companies mm -hmm. that sell within e-commerce. Um, so I'll share an example from there. Um, uh, this is probably our longest engagement we've had to date. Um, and this is a startup that came to us where, um, actually I'll answer one more piece of, of the last question that you had asked, you know, who are, are yeah. the best fit customers? Yeah. Um, independent of industry, part of that is the kind of company that has a very, very sharp understanding of their ICP, their ideal customer profile. Um, you know, being able to go beyond just saying, you know, we want this industry and this job title. And that feeds into this example here. Um, we worked with a company where, um, you know, the, the team had had some sales background in the past. They had been running campaigns for more than a year before um, speaking with us. And they had been taking on this internally. A um, couple of challenges. One, when you when you deal with e-commerce, um, you've spoken to, to anyone who runs uh, e-commerce store, e-commerce company. Uh, they are completely oversaturated with with uh, messaging, right? They're 
whether the people are asking them for, for marketing or um, whether it's, it's uh, all kinds of software that can be uh, used in the e-commerce space. The explosion from the COVID years onwards especially has made this uh, a very hard market to take on. If it's a sea of make... noise. Say that again? It's a sea of noise. And yes, it's hard to stand out now. It's it's um, and it's that's the case if you come in with very average or undifferentiated messaging. So our whole objective here was what can we do to to stand out and and approach this very differently. Um, so they had had campaigns that where where they got a lot of opens, um, but nothing was converting for them. And so that's one that the point at which they came to us. Um, and we we took a couple of steps. We. Uh, we, we looked at um, the, the ICP, of course, and then we, we said from this entire target market of all these companies you could be selling to, um, we had a research team go in and differentiate what makes a tier one customer for our client, what makes a tier two customer for our client, what makes a tier three customer for our client. Um, and then we had our, our scraping team go in and double down on that and say, okay, which competitor are all of these uh, customers or potential prospects using. Um, and then we took a third level here. And then this is more of a manual step, plus a little bit of scraping where we went in and I figured out what product specifically um, each of these stores were selling. So now we have three keys of pieces of information, right? How qualified is this company? Um, which competitor are they using? And what do they sell? Um, and based on that, we built very, very effective campaigns that were very tailored to each of the individual companies that, that we're reaching out to in this space. Um, and if, if you don't cater down or, or, or individualize your, your messaging to, to that degree, um, mm -hmm. well, you see how it was for them in the year before they worked with us, right? It's it's very hard to break through the sea of no noise exactly as, you're as you are creating just more noise. Yeah, you're adding water to the sea if, you, if you're not specialized with your messaging. It's a terrifying analogy, but it's true. That's exactly that. Um, you'll get lost just like many, many other sales teams have been lost um, in the past. Mm -hmm. um, so that, now, that was an go, go ahead. So just to, to recap, yeah, you're saying your best customers so far have been ones that understand who their ideal target is, ideal company profile is. They can break their ideal buyers into a few different tiers for you to prioritize. And based on that, you're able to identify who are the competitors, the specific products that they use, and create a customized messaging strategy that you then execute doing outbound to convert. And correct me if I'm wrong, the ideal outcome for the service is what? Qualified meetings? Yes. Okay, you book or qualified sorry, meetings. Discovery meetings calendar. That we, that we schedule. Qualified discovery meetings in the calendars of the sales team of the companies that hire you, correct? Yes. Okay, perfect. Um, tell me a little bit more about the market where you uh, you mentioned e-commerce was a good target uh, audience for this. What about geography, languages, and and maybe roles that you specialize with this service in in getting the attention of? Yeah. Um, so we focused we, we focused on on English speaking um, stores here. Um, they they could have been U.S. Canada, um, Australia, UK, um, as long as we just filtered for English speaking countries. Um, okay. When it comes to then uh, beyond the, the the geography that we're targeting, the what was the other part of the question? The, the, the type of... Uh, yeah, geography and decision makers. What roles right. do you typically target? So the roles here were, um, we looked at 
kind of two tiers of roles for, for all these companies, we talk to different people, um, for some of the smaller stores, um, and we're breaking this down by either growth rates, um, or, or the estimated revenue that, that they make per year for some of the smaller companies, we're reaching out at the founder, CEO, COO level. Um, cause they're the ones who, who will be the closest to the process earlier on, um, yeah. at the higher revenue targets, we're looking at the head of e-commerce, um, also the head of marketing, which was very specific, um, in, in, in the, in the, for, for, in this example, for the type of outreach we're doing, the head of e-commerce, a lot of times, um, is very, very involved in improving the e-commerce experience, which a lot of clients will be looking for in this space. It's, it's kind of the most flexible role, um, that I think of that comes to mind. Perfect. Now, just to wrap this up, this section of the success story, can you tell me a little bit about some results that you have received or, or gotten in the past for an e-commerce company? What were they used to getting before hiring seven you? And what are they getting as a result of working with you now? How many meetings? Yeah. So I don't actually have the number for what they had before. I just know that it wasn't working. <laughs> That's that, that was the context I was given. We, we, they, they were, were the concept I had, I had is we're getting opens. We're getting, there's um, no pipeline. We need help. The pipeline was not there. That's, that's as much as I know for before. Um, we had worked like for, if I give an example, there's a company we work with where we worked for them for about, um, four months, uh, in that mm -hmm. time we had booked, um, 69 meetings, qualified meetings that went on, um, to, to become meaningful deals towards, uh, their, their pipeline. Um, in that time, we also, this was a unique engagement where we knew they were working towards, um, bringing in a, a longer term sales hire. Right. And so, so they had a timeline where they said, okay, by the end of Q3, we're going to be having a, a sales leader full-time here. Um, but we need to hit our targets in, in, in the meanwhile. Um, and when we did a great job, uh, in a couple of ways, not just going over what we were, um, kind of expecting in terms of, of meetings per month, but when they looked at the next phase of their team, right. And the growth that comes with, uh, a lot of these companies they're they're going to make the, the, the picture today versus six months from now will look very, very different. The sales approach, the team, everything will look different. Uh, but what they needed was really a backbone and infrastructure of content technology process um, for everything to be built on top of for when they brought in their you know their sales leader leader down the line um so the success came not just from the meetings but from allowing them as a business to grow towards that next step um as as they were planning for and to bring in that sales leader um that would be with them full time to, to take on that process with them you could almost say that those 69 meetings that you were talking about are the lagging indicator for uh, bringing this person on board and having something for them to work on, but that the leading indicator to make sure that you continue to get those results were the strategy, the understanding of competitors, the messaging that you were sending and the activity that, that you execute. And you mentioned it took you around three to four months to get to those 69 meetings uh, yes. cumulative, correct? Yes. Yes. And you're spot on in, in analysis. Um, it's, it's, you, a lot of times you, you take on a new engagement and it, you can't put the cart before the horse. You have to think through what exactly needs to be the work that needs to be done to get to the results. Some founders or some sales leaders will come on and say, okay, well, you know, how many meetings per month will you guarantee? It's not as simple as that, right? You have to think through what the, the process will look like, understand, um, where they've been before, what their market is like. 
um, their 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 ticket size, the maturity of their process. Yeah. Yes, that's a big part of it too. Um, if their audience is used to being um, messaged through through outreach or not, the saturation levels. Of course, I shared an example where I think e-commerce is probably the most saturated, um, along with maybe um, uh, sale. Uh, so sorry, engineering outsourcing um, being being one of the two most common oversaturated markets that I see. Right, mm -hmm. but even then, you can get results. It just um, all of that kind of factors into the equation. Um, and with them, you know, they understood this very, very well at the beginning, right? We, 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 we had expectations, um, but we also had a lot of support from them in terms of getting a very in-depth understanding of what the market would look like, who we should be talking to. So then we could come up with extremely detailed lead lists. Um, and without that, you can't really build the campaigns that you're looking for that will get the results that, that, um, that will lead to success. Excellent. So it's a combination of them understanding very well who their target audience is, as you mentioned at the beginning, ideal customer or company profile. They need to have a good idea. And if they have that, they discuss with you, strategize, create the right copy, the right templates, the right touches, the right amount of intensity to reach these, um, let's say, prospects in the e-commerce industry in order to guarantee very good number of meetings, but also that those meetings convert, not just a bunch of meetings yeah. booked that don't lead to any results. That's good. Uh, one last thing um, before we move on to some, some tips and advice that I want to get from you. I have two questions for you. The first one is around sales sequences. How yes. many touches in this strategy that, that you say you reach uh, e-commerce leaders to convert? How many touches were each of those leads going through, let's say, on a monthly basis? And how many channels do you use to to reach their attention? So we focus on um, email and LinkedIn. And from that mm -hmm. primarily email, um, there are some cases where we think of if you have, um, if you have a, 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 like a tier one list that you're looking at that needs more of a special touch, we include LinkedIn, we might include LinkedIn for that. Um, but yep. we focus primarily on email as, as a channel for our outreach. Considers Avenue primarily an email shop. Um, in a month, Right, we we don't want to give since we're, we're reaching out mostly on the same channel. Don't want to give more than one touch um, per week. Right, like that, that that gets you in trouble with. Um, you, you've got to keep your spam rates low. You've got to optimize for for the number of prospects you reach in a certain amount of time, not just the number of touches per prospect. Mm -hmm. uh, so in a month um, for for this campaign, it would have been max uh, three or four, uh, and we keep it that way uh, deliberately. Right, it's it's. We're, we're thinking of the equation for context, right? I've been in sales for, for since 2016, I've kind of been in the space in, in one way or another, read lots of research on, you know, the, the optimal number of touches is 8.9 or, or you've got to get this many touches minimum. Um, our right. approach to thinking about this is uh, if you have a finite amount of, of outreach that you can have in, in a month, right? You, you can reach out to this many prospects or this many touches. Uh, this kind of research kind of takes it from, from the perspective of is 10 touches better than three touches? Mm -hmm. If you talk to the same people three times versus 10 times, of course, you'll get better results with 10 versus three. But the question you should be asking isn't, is 10 better than three? The question mm -hmm. is, if you do 10 touches instead of three touches, what is the opportunity cost? What are you missing out on? Who could have you have been speaking to in that time? And when we've run that analysis ourselves, we found that it makes much more sense to speak to more prospects with less touches 
um, than to just optimize for the maximum number of touches with the same prospect. Gotcha. So you pick, you don't burn your ammunition. You could say you don't burn your ammunition. You pick your bullets, you pick your targets first. Yes. It depends on, on some, some target markets, let's say, um, or, or some engagements that we take on will have a very small target mark market that they're looking up, or it's more of an enterprise play. And in that case, hundred percent, it makes more sense to take on longer campaigns, more spaced out, more touches. That, that is the exception right. to, to, to what I'm speaking of here. Um, now, so it, it depends in, case. But coming back to this example in e-commerce yeah. where you mentioned, hey, it's mostly SMBs and uh, I, I think you mentioned 50 or 21 to 50 employee headcount, maybe 100, up to 100. Um, how many prospects do you process per month? How many leads would you process per month? And you already mentioned it's about four touches, uh, maybe a couple more because those were just email, but you mentioned you do email, a little bit of LinkedIn. You don't do phone, right? We, we, yeah, we, we do not do on the phone. Perfect. And I believe uh, tying it back to your information earlier, that's why you said English, as long as it's an English campaign, it really doesn't matter the geography. We're not doing phone. We don't worry about accents. It's all written channels. Good. So coming back to this, my question was, how many prospects do you process per month? Uh, understanding that those will have around four, maybe more touches, at least four on email. Yeah. How many leads per month? Yeah. We, we offer a range to, to the, the, the clients that we work with. We, we kind of differentiate our, our offer based on the level of research that you're looking for um, and mm -hmm. the volume of outreach that you look for. Um, and we, when we separate it, there's this kind of a earlier tier or a smaller tier but if, if you want a low volume approach. Um, yep. We've called the second approach, you know, as, 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 as many prospects as you want. Really, it's not as many touches as you want, as many prospects as you want, right? It is a finite number. The most we've gone in a month um, has been 8,000 prospects. That, that's kind of like where we peak and, and where we think if, if, if you're pushing beyond that, uh, there's not a lot of target markets that, that can take on that much volume per month. Every month, yeah. Um, but there are some where we have had, um, you know, if, if, if it's, let's say, a lower ticket price and then it does make sense to do that. Um, so the max has been 8,000. Um, we, the, the lowest we've done has been, uh, a thousand prospects a month. Um, and with every engagement we take on, we'd look at somewhere finding the balance between, again, you talk to less prospects, there's a deeper research that, that will come out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so we find the balance with, with every engagement that we take on between the one to eight K mark. It sounds like depending on the size and the volume of work and, and the size of the target account market from your buyers, you also take a look at the level of personalization and the outreach, not just high uh, person name or, or personalization token for the name and the rest is copy pasted, but there's a little bit more research and, and thought and care into what goes out to each of those messages, correct? Yeah, I, I, I have strong thoughts on this. Um, you know, I, I used to be an SDR. I, I had had a sales manager, of course. We, we did lots of personalization training, you know, open LinkedIn, spend 10 minutes, come up with the best email you can, have, have been through all that. Uh, my thought now on this is um, the, the most effective campaigns that we've had aren't the ones where we're, um, you know, focused on personalization, either through some AI tool or, or through writing personalized content to an individual. Mm -hmm. It's customization. Or, sorry, customized, customized messaging through better research. It's looking at, in this example, for example, when we, when we look at the example I've shared before, um, looking at understanding their, their, the product that they're currently using, understanding the differentiation between their current product and where its downfalls are, and how that ties into mm -hmm. the specific product that they like to sell. 
if you can take really, really good research like that, that's just one example. Other examples can be, um, it can be customization based on, um, you know, they're, they're hiring for specific roles and you know that there's something missing there that you, you understand exactly what the business need is more than, um, the personalization approach, which is usually something like, you know, Hey, uh, prospect X, uh, I noticed you, uh, were, you have this many recommendations on LinkedIn for, for this trait or that you volunteered for this in 2012, which in, in my experience, it doesn't go as far as understanding the business on a deep level, speaking the, the, the language of the prospect and understanding their pain points uh, before you even get the chance to, to get on the call with them. That's where we've seen a much higher lift through um, better research, um, better customization towards the business needs as opposed, as opposed to personalization to an, as a, on an individual level. Gotcha. Like more a better crafted value proposition as opposed to, hey, I just noticed this online, so I'm reaching out, which is the, yeah. the first, let's say, the, the Padawan level of the relevance yep. and personalization and now done. Good. If you asked me this in, in like yeah. 2016 or 2017, idea, I would have given you a very different answer, right? I, I was all about, let me, let me read their blog and find the perfect thing to reach out to them. But everyone has thought the same thing, right? Every marketing channel eventually is kind of dwindles down as everyone gets onto it and you, you have to be more creative um, and then come up with new ways. And I think this is, is the newer, more relevant way to reach out today. The social selling game keeps evolving and so do so do our skills if we want to stay uh, relevant. Yes. One last thing here. Uh, how do you report the performance? Let's say someone is looking to hire you what type of dashboards, reports, spreadsheets do you create for them? So every week, our, our clients get a Loom video. Um, and in the first month of, of our engagements, rather than Loom, we're, we're having weekly meetings because to, to, I think there's a lot that needs to be um, agreed upon at the, at the start of an engagement um, to make sure right. we're on the same page. Um, but every week, they get a Loom video where we go through, here are the results for the past week. Here's who we've reached out to in terms of volume. Um, here are, are what the replies are looking like. Here's what our understanding is. Um, and based on last week's performance, these are the changes that we're going to be making to the copy. Now, some clients awesome. want a very hands-on approach and they want to say, uh, you know, they want to give their feedback, uh, be a part of, of yeah. Have, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're very experienced that they, they, um, they understand the product and we want their feedback, right? They're the ones who are on the sales calls as opposed to us. So there's lots of insights that we'll want from them. Um, I know other agencies that might do this on a month to month basis, but we think we need that feedback, uh, much quicker, um, to get it every week. Um, so it's not so much a dashboard as, as, as it is, um, live, live reporting that, that we share back on a weekly basis, telling them exactly what's happened, what our understanding is of, of, of uh, of the results and what we're going to do as a, as a result of that. Wonderful. All right. This is all great content, Yusuf. I want to wrap up this session with uh, some of your advice uh, in the sales experience that you've gathered along the years, what would be some tips, let's say the top three tips you can give me or give any buyer that is listening right now to this episode if they want to increase the probability of achieving the result they want fast working with 7U? How can they better prepare to get results fast with you? You asked for three. There's two that are very clear to me off the bat um, I, I, as soon as you asked for it. One is um, everything's about expectations, right? Um, 
being able to, to know where your market product is positioned compared to your competitors, what your differentiation is. Um, but the big gap that I see a lot with, with the, the engagements that we take on with the sales calls that I take right on behalf, on behalf of potential clients for Zevenue is, um, we, we, we start to run the math around what a great engagement would look like. And we say, okay, you know, we get this many meetings per month and we convert at this much percent, you know, this is what we're looking at. The problem is when I look at when we convert at this much percent, that number always ends up being extraordinary, right? There, there's industry stats on, on, on what uh, average closing rate is um, for, mm -hmm. for a founder, for uh, an account executive, for someone who's new, for someone who's experienced. Um, but the number I always hear from the engagements ends up being here, like extremely high numbers. And I, I we always close 30%. One in every three is a closed deal. And I hear, I hear I've, I've heard 80% before. I've heard crazy numbers all the time. Um, and I think the reason is a lot of uh, times we end up taking engagements from companies that have had such a history of working within their network, within introductions where they're, they're mm. very, very, very warm leads. Um, and then suddenly and they're looking cold at approach, cold approach yeah. for the first time. Um, but they're expecting to, to close deals at the same time, or they're expecting their first account executive to be just a, as good at selling the product as um, the, the founders were, um, which never happens, right? I, I, even if a founder is, is kind of the shy type, doesn't like selling that much, the product, the, the software has, has been a part of, of what you've done for so long. That, he can right? explain it like the palm of his hand, of course without even trying no script no nothing they're just talking and then they're naturally engaging and people feel much better when they speak with um, a founder compared to selling to a salesperson that's just the reality oh, of, of how things are it just feels more authentic right um so that's one very particular piece that that i i see again and again it has never changed um and i always try to be very very conservative when setting um you know forward-looking projections in terms of um what closed deals looks like uh, because if, if if they can't close the deals then who gets in trouble, right? It comes back to the agency in the end. So you have to be able to set level expectations when it comes to that. The second is um, the best engagements. I've, I've spoken about this, uh, I, I guess, already while we've been speaking, but the best engagements we've had have been the kind of clients that have um, the best understanding of their market. Um, some engagements we take on have, um, like, we'll, we'll, we'll ask for, you know, all the context with that, that we need coming into engagement. We do our onboarding. We ask all the questions we need to. Some clients will come back to us with very, very, they'll have sheets where they've compared their product on every possible feature level to their competitors. Um, they've spaced out value prop one, two, three, four, five. And then for Use each cases, person yeah. in their target market, who it, they'll, it'll be ranked in terms of, um, for, for each of their potential target markets, who cares about it the most? Teams that understand things on, on, on that level makes the outreach so much more effective um, and, and much easier to experiment with. Because now you have, you're no longer trying to dig this information out from your outreach. You have the, a very good starting base. Um, and you can kind of iterate your way from there into super effective campaigns. The scariest thing I can hear for when talking to uh, a prospect is, um, Hey, Yusuf, you know what, um, we, we, we have this great piece of, of software here um, and I ask, you know, who is it for? And they say, well, you know, really anyone can use it. Um, and then for them, they're thinking, you know, their investors love hearing stuff like that. It means, oh, wow, massive uh, addressable market, um, right? Trillions of dollars that, that are, that are Huge uh, in the <laughs> But uh, for us, that's the worst thing you can hear because that means there, there's no history of, 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 um, of, of kind of that customer development framework um that that's been done which uh 
kind of trickles down into challenges when it comes to everything sales related later on. Um, those are the two biggest things that I think that um, we've seen clients do. One, one is having level expectations and maybe a little bit of history of, of doing something on the outbound side themselves. And two, um, having a very, very, very clear understanding of, of who their market is and what differentiates everyone in their market. That's great. A lot of people only understand what their total addressable market is, and they don't know what their serviceable addressable market is or serviceable obtainable market is, which is what we're talking about now. Who are those that are closer to convert that if we speak precisely to them, we are going to have better chances of winning? This is all great content, Yusuf, for anyone uh, tuning in, listening in. You can find Sevenue in the Cloutos Marketplace. Yusuf, thank you so much for all the information that you've shared. Is there something else that you would like to tell the audience before we part ways? Thanks for having me on, Eddie. Um, for, for, for anyone listening, Zevenue.com, um, uh, our, our approach. I think the biggest differentiator that we have is, uh, I've spoken a little bit about it, but is our research process um, around how we the process we take with our research team, the, the manual side, the scraping side, um, and just the process around differentiating the target market. Um, and I think for, for anyone who's listening, whether they're thinking of, of doing their own outbound on their own, um, maybe hiring salespeople, maybe looking at agency, I'd say have a look at what you can be doing to differentiate your messaging um, from everything that even, I think everyone receives sales messaging on their own. And you know what good <laughs> copy looks like and you can know what bad copy looks like. Um, so, so think from your perspective to what you would like to see, what examples you like, um, and then see what you can be doing to, to build outreach the same way, which is what we try to do. That's all. ICP. That's where the magic is. Understanding them well. Wow. Excellent. Yusuf, thank you so much for your time and see you on the next one. Thank you, Eddie. Have a good one.